0: Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you here this morning. If you have your Bible, would you take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Mark, um, the passage that uh, Pastor Dave read for us this morning, Mark chapter 1. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 969. Today we are uh, taking another look at one of the root uh, disciplines that we can apply to our spiritual lives, to help us grow in our faith, strengthen our walk, and uh, draw closer to God. Uh, Pastor Rick started this series a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the, the title of the series is called Roots. And uh, we are looking at those things that kind of sit at the, the root level of our spiritual lives, those disciplines, those habits that we can uh, involve ourselves in, participate in, that will really strengthen us for the long haul those disciplines and those habits that when we incorporate them into our lives, they really do draw us closer to God and they really do help us strengthen our faith. The ones that we've chosen to look at are are not necessarily the common ones that you would think of when you think of a spiritual habit or a spiritual discipline. Uh, Things like uh, Bible study or church attendance, things like those are important. And, of course, we would uh, honor those as well. But we wanted to specifically look at some things that that aren't necessarily uh, talked about a lot in the local church on a week-to-week basis. And so last week, Pastor Rick uh, really launched into this whole series by looking at the idea of Sabbath-keeping and how important that is to our spiritual journey and our spiritual lives. Today, what I want us to do is take a closer look at, uh, at a discipline called solitude and silence. And it really what we'll do is we'll look at this idea of solitude and silence as two sides of the same coin and uh, trying to figure out how it is that we can incorporate this habit of developing solitude and silence into our personal lives. And I just want to be honest with you this morning as I speak to you, I I, I feel like uh, metaphorically, I feel like I'm I'm leading you with a limp uh, because it's not necessarily something that, that I can stand here and champion for myself and say, well, just model my life of solitude and silence. I mean, it just doesn't, it's one of those things that even I am working on with you as we speak about this. Uh, it's not something I've perfected. Uh, I, I live in a home of six people, plus a dog, and um, four of those people are age 10 and under. There's not a lot of solitude in my home right now. Um, I'm Italian. There's not a lot of silence in my home right now. We tend to be excitable people, if you will. And uh, just this whole makeup and dynamic of, of where we are um, in our family life makes this idea of solitude and silence a real challenge, even for for us. And so I I speak to myself as I speak to you this morning. In fact, my wife, when I told her that this was the topic I would be doing, she kind of chuckled and said, well, what do you know about solitude and silence? (laughs) Not much, I guess. Uh, And so um, but it's a journey that we're on together, and it's one that is that is important. Uh, And I'm sure that that many of you are in the exact same boat, I mean. Uh, if you have a young, growing family at home, the whole idea of solitude and silence is something that is, is almost foreign. Where is that? What is that? I don't even understand that word uh, or those words anymore. Um, even if you don't have children at home, if you're a single uh, person or if you, you're a couple and you're in the, the empty nest years of your home or even if you're a student in your in your home, This, even, even this idea of solitude and silence strikes against us and, and hits up against us as something that is almost unreasonable or unheard of or something that we can't even manage or even dream of, actually. It just doesn't exist. It's just not there in our, in our everyday lives. In fact, I remember, uh, as a child, my, uh, you know, I'd ask my dad, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Right? And the answer was peace and quiet. Right. You know, I didn't understand that then. I'm like looking for a tie or something that just peace and quiet. But now, now that I'm at that stage and many of you are are at that stage and have gone through that as well. You just relish, don't you, those moments of peace and quiet, of solitude and silence. And it's just a challenge to really find that in our lives today. I mean, our calendars are filled to overflowing. Um, it's so hard to squeeze anything in to our busy schedules as they are. I mean, just think about trying to make a doctor's appointment, right? It, it takes like 20 minutes on the phone. You just don't call up and say, I want this day. they got to look at their calendar. you got to look at your calendar. you got to look at time slots and hours. It's just a nightmare to try to find an appointment uh, that fits the calendar. You know, many of you get hair appointments. I don't but many of you do. Those of you that choose to do things to your hair, I mean, you got to find the right time and you call and you have to make an appointment and you have to set up. And if there's some particular stylist you like, you got to wait weeks and months and years to get in with that person. And it's it's just busy. Life is just busy, not to mention trying to schedule vacation or to plan a small group or to have coffee with a friend or Or even to have a date with your spouse. Life is just busy. And it's hard to put all of those things together. Life has become almost this tug of war of, let me see when I can fit you in. And we just go back and forth with each other, trying to find the right times. In fact, our relationships, our relationships with our with our family and our friends look look less like a rhythmic dance between people that we care about and they look more like the floor of the New York Stock Exchange when the bell goes off it's just nuts it's chaotic it's life is just well, we just go full force pedal down in our lives and for a lot of us a lot of us live our lives as the metaphor as that metaphor says like ships passing in the night we rarely see each other we rarely have spent time to spend with each other, to really sit down and, and talk through the day and understand what's gone on in our lives and really try to understand, you know, regardless of what's going on in our lives, just try to understand what God's doing in our lives and trying to find those moments. And the noise, the noise is another thing. Um, we, we've, we've grown up in a culture where noise is just everywhere. And to even think of the word silence is... For some people, scary. I mean, we don't even know what to do with silence. When it's too quiet, we're uneasy. It unnerves us. Um, We're afraid of being quiet for, for even a moment. I mean, we've gone from the Walkmans, you remember, with the cassette player and the earphones to portable CD players to the iPod to the MP3, that wherever we go in life, in our busyness, We strap it on, we velcro it on, and we put the earphones in so that in the, in the midst of our busyness, we can have music and noise to listen to. I mean, that's just where we are in a culture and a society. We even, we even, some of us buy CDs or, or special machines so that at night, we can go to bed and listen to, to the, the sounds of nature right? We can't even go to bed without the radio or we set the television timer to go off at 3 a.m. so that when we're asleep, it finally goes off. We, we find it hard to even rest in solitude and quietness, to be still and to just be quiet. The noise of life and the busyness of life are almost inescapable. And my fear my fear is that as we continue to pour into our lives noise and busyness, my fear is that we will miss the opportunities to hear God speaking into our lives. And we're going to miss the opportunities to have Him guide us, to have Him teach us, to have Him challenge us. Whereas last week the idea of Sabbath spoke to the idea of Uh, being restored and refreshed, I believe the idea of solitude and silence invites us to refocus our lives, to listen to the voice of God, to find direction, to find clarity in life, and to be strengthened for life's demands. I believe that it's in solitude and silence that God speaks clearly and concisely as we learn to withdraw from the noise and busyness of life, even if it's only for a few moments at a time. Jesus set the model for us throughout the gospel uh, gospel writings in the New Testament. He, he shows us by his life, by his pattern of living, how we can incorporate this idea of solitude and silence into our own lives. Uh, to be fair, there's there's really no... Um, exact scripture passage or teaching moment in the Gospels where Jesus kind of steps aside and says, "Look, this is what I want to teach you about solitude and silence." There's no there's no specific teaching on this on this practice. There's no Sermon on the Mount, if you will. Uh, uh, sermon given to draw into this idea of solitude and silence. In fact, Jesus only speaks to his disciples recorded in the Gospels one time about solitude and silence. But I think if we would look at the pattern of Christ's life, as we read through the Gospels, if we see what, what Jesus is doing, he really does model this idea of being still, of being quiet, of withdrawing, of retreating from things that are going on around him. He really does model the idea of solitude and silence. And I want us to look at three things quickly this morning, uh, three ways, three observances of solitude and silence in the life of Christ. First, first of all, I want us to notice that, that Jesus did this himself. It wasn't a theory. It wasn't just something he, he threw out that you might want to think about. He actually practiced this and modeled it in his everyday life. The gospel passage that we read this morning, Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 35 through 39, touched upon that. In verse 35, it touched upon the fact that Jesus went away to a solitary place. But what I want you to see is, I want you to see it in the context of of the rest of Mark chapter 1 and beginning in, in uh the earlier verses. You need to look through Mark 1 and understand what was going on in the life of Christ. Jesus had just finished a long, a long stretch of, of intense, hard, and difficult, draining work. Throughout the beginning verses of Mark chapter 1, we see Jesus teaching and healing and confronting evil and going from town to town and village to village and and working with with, uh, large, large groups of people. They kept coming to Him and, and, and getting to Him and wanting Him to continue to teach and to continue to do His work. His work was never ending. His work was never stopping. He just kept on working and working and working. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it says he finally got away. And it says this in verses 32 and 33. That evening... That evening, after all of this stuff had happened, after all of his teaching and all of the, the work that he had done, that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. The whole town gathered at the door. We think we have a heavy workload. We think we've got a busy schedule. Jesus couldn't get away from it either. He worked a long day, a full day, continually meeting the needs of the people that were brought before him. And he goes off, and his blackberry starts ringing. Or as Pastor Rick says, his cherry berry, or whatever he called it. People start knocking on the door. They're lining up to see him. Even the, His office hours are done. He's stopped for the day, and he's gone home. But he can't escape it. The people were still coming to him and wanting to him to do work among them in that midst in that context mark then writes these words verse 35 very early in the morning the next morning very early in the morning while it was still dark jesus got up left the house and went off to a solitary place a place where he prayed in the middle of an intense work cycle where the work just doesn't go away And the people keep lining up. Jesus took the time to find a place of solitude with God. Describing the exact same event, but from a different perspective, uh, Dr. Luke writes this observance about Jesus in Luke 4.42. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving. Even in his solitary place, even in his moment of silence, even in the place that he retreated and withdrew to to get rest and peace and to pray, the people kept coming. The demands of the job didn't go away. The people kept coming to see him. The people kept needing him. And you know, if we really look at this in our own lives, we, we bear that out in our own lives as well. Uh, as parents and moms, especially moms that that stay at home with children, I mean, every day, the kids keep coming, don't they? They need their nose washed, wiped, and they need breakfast made, and they need to be dressed, and they need to find their teddy bear, and they gotta play a game, and they gotta, I mean, they just keep coming. The children just don't stop. And then when we go to work, our clients keep coming. They keep knocking at the door. The names keep popping up on your your Outlook calendar that your appointment is coming. Our patients keep coming to our offices. They keep lining up. They keep calling. They keep making appointments. Our bosses keep coming. They keep sending reports. They keep sending updates. They keep wanting us to to press harder, to push farther, to do more and to do more for less. The demands of life and the work around us just doesn't stop. It just keeps ramping up. The demands of the job just don't go away. And Jesus understood this. And in the middle of all of that, He understood the need to find a solitary place where He could just get alone and pray. Because I think He knew that in the middle of the busyness of life, if He didn't stop, and try to refocus his energy and his life and his perspective, if he didn't just stop, he was not going to be of any use to anyone. He would not be helpful. He needed that time away. So he he did it himself, and he also encouraged it of his followers. As he practiced this, he encouraged his disciples to do the same thing. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus sends out the, the disciples on their first mission. They go out two by two. And they go out and they do the same things that, that Jesus had been doing and modeling in front of them. The teaching and the healing and the confronting of evil and, and the, 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 the ministry to the people. He sends them out two by two. You guys go out. You try it. You do it. You work in the power of the Spirit and, and get things done. And I'm going to sit back and, and I will be here when you're done. And as they went out and as they ministered and as they did all of this ministry to the people, they came back and they reported to Jesus what they had done. And this is what Mark writes in Mark chapter 6. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to Him all that they had done and taught. And He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. He encouraged those who are on the front lines of demanding work. You just can't keep going at this pace. What you do is vitally important, but you cannot keep going at this pace. When you have finished the day, when the work is done, please find a solitary place and rest. He modeled it, he encouraged it. And if we look if we look deeply And and closely at the New Testament, we'll see that this idea of solitude is really expanded um, throughout the New Testament. In the New Testament, um, the word for solitude is eremos. And the word eremos means uh, solitude, it means uh, uninhabited, it means lonely, it means desolate, it means wilderness. And it's used 50 times in the New Testament. 45 times it's used to speak of a desert or wilderness place, the actual physical wilderness. And what's interesting is in Mark chapter 1, again, that passage that we have this morning, at the very beginning of Mark chapter 1, two events happen. First of all, Jesus is baptized by John. And as Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water. And if you know the story, In that moment, God the Father from heaven speaks and said, This is my Son whom I love, in Him I am well pleased. God the Father in that moment affirmed who Jesus was to the public and to Himself. Jesus was the Son of God, is the Son of God, to carry out God's mission. A pretty powerful statement. And immediately after it was affirmed that this is who He was, it says He went to the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days in Ramos, 40 days in solitude, in uninhabited places. And it was in those 40 days that we know, after being affirmed of who he was, we know that it was in that wilderness that Satan tempted Jesus to pull him away from his mission. But Jesus was in a place of solitude. He was in the wilderness. He was there for a time of preparation. And as he spent those 40 days in solitude, in preparation, in the wilderness, he was able to stand against evil. He was able to resist temptation. He was able to affirm his commitment to God. He was able to be prepared for the ministry that was in front of him. Because the very next thing that we see in Mark's Gospel, as he comes out of the wilderness experience, he's affirmed by God of who he is. He goes into the wilderness, this solitary place, to be strengthened, to be prepared, to be readied for for the ministry that's ahead. As soon as he comes out of that, what does he do? He begins to call the twelve men who would follow behind him and change the world as we know it today. A pretty important mission a pretty important job. He knew that there was something bigger that was in front of him. And when he knew that there was something bigger that was in front of him, he was sure in that wilderness time to prepare himself for those moments that would come. And I wonder, how many of us walk through everyday life knowing that there are big decisions out there that we're going to have to make either next week or next month, a year from now, five years from now, we look at our season of life, our stage of life, and we know, we understand that there are some big decisions that we have to make, maybe for ourselves and maybe for our family. And I wonder how many of ourselves, how many of us are taking time to retreat, to withdraw into a type of wilderness, into a Ramos, into solid, into a place of, of uh, solitude, so that we can just focus upon God and be prepared for the decisions that we have to make. I mean, I, I think of it as, as a parent. And I'll be honest with you that there's times when, when you're a parent of young children. That life is so full and so packed and so hectic and so noisy that your response to your children or our response to our children at times has been, yeah, you know what, that's fine, just just do it, just whatever, okay? Go, that's fine, I don't... Do you ever experience that as a parent? Don't leave me on an island now. How many of you guys... Come on, you're so tired, you're so drained, you're so tired of what you've been through and the busyness of life. Have you ever just said... That's fine. What, whatever. Can you imagine thinking about the most important decisions that you may have to face in your life that are lying in front of you? And we are so busy and we are so tired as people. It's so easy to say, ah, whatever. Ladies, ladies, when your husband got down on one knee, were you so tired that you just said, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Sure, I guess it'll work out. There's this idea of preparation. This idea of retreating into a type of wilderness, a type of solitude, a type of barrenness, where we just kind of, in a metaphor, just just empty ourselves to just focus on God. Because life is so important. The decisions we have to make are real. And we need God to guide us. But in our present condition, with the busyness and the noise of life, I wonder how often we hear Him speak. Jesus set the example. He encouraged His people. And I think when we look at that and study that and understand that, there are a few principles that we can draw from that. First of all, we need to understand the principle that the demands of life demand solitary time with God. Just the sheer demands of life demand that we find solitary time with God. We Americans can be a quite busy bunch of people, can't we? I mean, we can find ways to, to fill our schedules any which way. For many people, their, their workloads and the demands of the job push them both physically and emotionally to the limits. Some of you are sitting here this morning and you are absolutely dreading the fact that you have to go to work tomorrow. Because your job and your life and the demands of it and the busyness of your life and your schedule push you physically and emotionally to your limit. At the end of the day, you're spent. At the end of the week, you're done. You don't want any more. You just want to be. But we don't do that. We don't take the time to sit back and to restore ourselves. We just fill our calendars with more things and more uh, plans and more schedules. The pace of life is demanding. And as I mentioned earlier, our family demands are ever increasing and pushing us to limits. Life in its demands drains more than energy from our lives and and days from our calendars. I think we begin to lose focus on what's really important. We begin to lose focus on what's important for our families. And we lose focus on what's important in our in our lives and, and and we get to that point where we're just so tired we almost don't care. But if we think back and we look at the life of Christ, he modeled that this time in a solitary place, this wilderness experience, benefited him because it was a time of preparation. He was preparing himself for whatever came next. The big decisions, the small decisions. He understood, I need to retreat, I need to withdraw, I need to stop and prepare myself for what lies ahead. He used it as a time of wisdom and guidance, again, keeping it in the context of Mark 1, as he prepared to to uh, choose the twelve disciples that would he would pour his life into. He used that wilderness time for wisdom and guidance. And then again in Mark 6 that we've looked at already, he used this wilderness time as a time of just rest, physical rest, so that he would be prepared and of value the next day. A second thing that we notice about solitude and silence as we look at the life of Christ is the frequency of it, how often he incorporated it into his life. I think habits are born out of repetition. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says that, that Jesus Himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. Often. The, the Greek word there for often means often. <laughs> you can't get around that one. He, just, he did it frequently. It actually carries with it uh, the idea of continuous action. He continually did this in his life. It was a pattern of behavior. It was a habit. It was a discipline in his life that he would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. For us, you know, we try to think about that and how would that even break down in our normal everyday life. I just want to offer you a few things to think about. I think we could think about the frequency of solitude and silence on a daily basis. You know, where are those moments every day when I could just find find that peace and quiet? Maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's ten minutes, maybe it's twenty minutes. But just just trying to build into our day a time where we can just be quiet and be still and find that wilderness, that empty space to just be with God. And um, as I say that, I'm, I'm not even suggesting that you, you know, get into your car and go find a cornfield and just sit in the middle of it. That, that's not the idea. You can be in a place of, of uh, a sol- you can be in a solitary place, and a silent place, even within your own home. You can find those places and those moments. Perhaps you go to the attic, perhaps you go to the basement and, I don't know, sit in a corner with your face in the corner. Just, but you need to find a place of silence and quiet a wilderness place you know one way that I try to incorporate this my own life is is, uh, frequently during the week I'll come in and use the prayer room that Pastor Dave spoke about Uh, if I do it it's usually in the morning and and I'll just come in and drop my stuff in my office and, and come back here make my way back to the prayer room and just be still and just be quiet even for just 10 minutes Before the day ramps up and begins. Because I know that once the day is in full swing, it's hard to steal that time away in solitude. Perhaps we could think about as we build it into our our life daily, we could think of it um, monthly. What is something that you can do monthly, two or three hours a month just to get away and just spend time with God? And then maybe annually, what could you and your family do to build uh, solitude and silence into the reth- into the rhythm of your life on an annual basis. Perhaps it's part of your vacation when you steal away that, that you build that in. I, I don't know what works for you, but the idea is that something has to work for you because we can't keep going on at the pace that we're living and expect to hear from God. We wonder why God is not speaking. We wonder why God is not moving in our hearts In our lives, and perhaps for some of us, perhaps it's because we haven't stopped long enough to listen. And if we would just stop and just listen, I think He would speak to us. It brings up the idea of time as well. What time do I do this? You know, as we read the Gospels, we see that Jesus rose early in the morning to do this. And in Mark chapter one, that word, that, that phrase early in the morning speaks to a time period of three to six AM where Christ got up uh, to do that. The reality is um, that just doesn't fit all of our lives. That's just not who we are. A lot of us, some of us because of our job or because of our work schedules or our family life, that just doesn't work. And again, that early morning, that wasn't a, it's it's not a teaching moment in the gospel it's it's a descriptive mark was just being descriptive that jesus got up early it wasn't a command so you get up early too he was just saying this is what was happening in christ's life but there is something to be said about the early morning the early moments of of the day where where the earth is still quiet and nothing is going on that seems to be a good place to find Solitude and silence, if we can build that into our lives. I know, uh, Pastor Rick has spoke about it often, spoken of it often, of challenging, um, challenging us to find those moments and how he would, he will rise at, at 5 a.m. to do that. And that's, you know, I'm like, God bless you. That's great. But dude, I'm tired. Four kids and a, a, a crazy schedule. And, you know, the reality is, It just doesn't work for some of us when we think of a specific time. And my fear is that if we've grown up in a church full of tradition and legality, we've learned that personal quiet time with God is in the morning, in the early hours. And that just has left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. The time on the clock is not to be honored. The time of solitude and silence is to be honored. The discipline is the challenge. And we are all challenged to find where that fits in our personal lives, in our personal calendars. And if early morning is great, do it. But again, as we read through, through the Gospels and in Mark the disciples came back from their teaching experience and in the moment that they came back, Jesus said, well, now, now, go find a solitary place. And that wasn't the third, the first watch. That wasn't 3 to 6 a.m. So it's the principle, the idea of finding a time of solitude and silence. Finally, there's this idea that within solitude and silence, that communicating with God is the goal. The goal is not necessarily to sleep. The goal is not necessarily just to be rested and restored. Obviously, God wants that to happen. But the goal within a time of solitude and silence is to communicate with God. God desires that we would come and we would pray to Him. God desires that we would stop talking just for a moment so that He could speak to us. I think some of us don't hear from God because we can't stop speaking. We just need to be quiet. Stop talking. Just be still. We need to be people who frequently withdraw with a purpose to listen, to quiet our spirit, and to be still. And I'm confident that as we withdraw and focus upon God, He will speak to our spirits. I'm confident that He will guide us, that He will refocus us, that He will lead us, and in those moments we will be restored. You know, I just think we are people who long for peace and quiet. There's something in us that knows we need these moments. We need these moments of escape And these moments of quietness. The trouble is finding them. The trouble is implementing them into our busy schedules. I wonder how the, as the noise and busyness of our life permeates through us, I wonder how it affects how we seek God. How well do we manage our own spiritual journey in the midst of the busyness around us? How often do we stop and listen to God's voice? How do we, in this time, in this culture today, make time to deepen our faith, to strengthen our stance, to center our lives on Christ and to rest in the arms of the Almighty? My hope is that you will begin to examine your life and discover those steps to solitude. To that end, as we... Prepare for communion this morning. I'm going to ask you to just pause for a moment in solitude and silence. I'm going to ask that for one minute before the bread is passed, for one minute, we would just be quiet. And then I'm going to ask that as we pass the bread, we do it in silence. No music. No singing. Complete silence. I'm going to ask you to prepare your heart in these moments. Use this time of solitude, if you will, to prepare your heart before God. Perhaps you need to confess sin. Perhaps you need to uh, seek direction. Perhaps you've just been distant. And then as the elements are passed, Again in quietness, I'm going to ask that you just listen to God. Listen to what He may be saying to you today. Let's begin.